All righty, lots uh, to discuss on the national international scene. That's where I turn to um, my very good friend, Dr. Uh, David Caputo, Emeritus Pace University, and, of course, a political science uh, professor extraordinaire uh, back in the day at uh, the Great Pace as we welcome in Dr. Caputo. David, how are you? I hope it's all well. Good, Jay. Thank you. How are you doing? I am doing well. There is a plethora of topics. Let's start with what's happening in the state of Georgia today, where you have a center runoff, the incumbent, Raphael Warnack, going up against uh, Herschel Walker, the Republican. You know, it seems to me Walker has been absent uh, a bit as compared to Warnock as far as the campaign trail. It's a little unusual, 28 days off and everything else. And we took about five days off. I don't know why, but if that's the strategy, we'll see. But in essence, I have noticed a lacking of Walker as far as the trail is concerned, getting his message out. Are you noticing the same? And Give me your thoughts overall. Sure. This is actually a very interesting election uh, where you have a candidate in Herschel Walker with uh, zero experience politically, uh, been endorsed by uh, former President Trump and encouraged to run, and then a person who um, was expected, at least his his campaign organization really thought that he had a good chance of getting to the 50% in the initial election in November, November the 8th. Uh, he ran about 40, I think it's 48,000 votes behind uh, Senator Warnock. Uh, so the interesting thing is, with all the difficulties that uh, Walker has had, uh, why does he continue to be, you know, um, in most cases the polls would show this uh, widely divergent race. The polls, to the last few days, uh, some of them had him ahead, some of them had him dead even. Uh, the last few days, the polls in the last five, six, seven days indicate that the Reverend Warnock has a, a small lead, but it's really very determined about what happens to turnout today. And... Um, so an interesting question, and one I'm sure that uh, the pundits will go back and look at uh, when all this is said and done. How could Herschel Walker run as, as strong as he has, given the flaws and given the difficulties that he has as a candidate? And you mentioned one of them, and that is that he took five days off over the Thanksgiving weekend, uh, argued that he had other things to do that were more important, and that um, his message was out there and people could make their decision accordingly. So uh, I think it's a very interesting race. Uh, I think one of the things that people often ignore, uh, given the runoff uh, two years ago, uh, the double runoff two years ago, is that um, people tend to be, at least some of the uh, correspondents are arguing that Georgia is changing very much into a, a blue state. I think at best you could say at this point that Georgia is a purple state, especially given how well the state, uh, the candidates, uh, governor, uh, secretary of state, and so forth, the Republicans ran in the uh, November 8th election. That's a highly competitive state. Uh, there have been some changes in the election laws which effect could have, could have a, an effect on this particular race. Uh, very interesting to watch, very important, and I think that that's often lost on the American public, uh, given that the Dem Democrats have, uh, even if uh, Herschel Walker is elected, it'll be 50-50, which means the vice president breaks ties in the Senate. But 
there are a lot of implications if it goes 51-49. And probably the most important is the committee assignments uh, will become a majority for the Democrats, which means they will gain some time in terms of being able to get things out of committee uh, much faster than they have in the past. And that will be especially significant in terms of judicial appointments. So uh, watch closely. Uh, early voting uh, tends to favor the Democrats. Same-day voting uh, favors the Republicans. And Georgians have been engaged, you know, as far as the early voting, the numbers and everything else. Something to keep in mind. It's an excellent point David made regarding Georgia becoming, you know, on the kind of the purple side. Even though, you know, look at the Kemp run against uh, against uh, Adams and everything else for the gubernatorial there. But still, you know, you've seen a little bit of change and whatnot. Um, a victory for Warnock would give Schumer that vote to spare folks and prevent any single lawmaker from possibly holding up the passage of legislation keep that in mind with that being said one final thought here you know the the trump aura of endorsements and we saw that on november the 8th you know it, it kind of wore thin as far as some of the major races and i'm just wondering i know walker has reached out to trump i don't know if trump is is doing a final push here but what about that type of situation as far as the walker camp knowing the fact that you know trump has uh, been uh, somewhat cool, let's put it that way, as far as uh, as far as the luster that he has had in the past, not the case, November the 8th, again, on some of the major ones. But what about that uh, that type of situation that might exist even presently here with the, the alignment of Trump and uh, Herschel Walker? Well, you know, the, this, this is really part of a broader question, and that is how the off-year elections impact the 2024 presidential elections. And you are correct. Uh, the former President Trump did not have a great track record in terms of the support of the people that he endorsed uh, doing well in some of the more important Senate races. He did do well in Ohio uh, with his candidate, but in other races such as um, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, Arizona, he did not. So the interesting question is, what does this mean uh, in terms of his standing within the party, uh, I think he clearly continues to dominate in terms of the 30 to 35, maybe 40 percent of the Republican Party who will be loyal to him, and that could be enough to um, propel him through the primaries. It remains to be seen. But uh, going back to the Herschel Walker case, um, there is no doubt that the former President uh, Trump has tried tried to stay out of this as much as he can, partly on the request of the Republicans in the state of Georgia, who felt that uh, he should stay out, just as um, Reverend Warnock did not bring in uh, President Biden or the vice president uh, into campaign for him during the runoff. Instead, he used uh, Barack, uh, former President Obama. So that uh, I think this is a in a way, a surrogate election between two former presidents in terms of who they're backing and uh, who is less popular in the state and more popular. So it'll be very interesting to watch. The key is clearly going to be turnout. Uh, I think the early uh, weather reports I saw indicated it could be a rainy day. We don't know what that'll mean, especially uh, for the Republicans in North Florida, in North Georgia. So it's uh, going to be a fascinating night to see what the exit polls and how this goes. Um, I think the importance of it cannot be overstated. Uh, you, we, I mentioned can, uh, committee assignments. You mentioned uh, the, it gives Schumer an extra vote. It also makes it more difficult 
for a declared Democrat to decide midpoint in the um, as they face re-election that maybe they're going to uh, switch parties or become an independent. Uh, and I think that's possible for Joe Manchin uh, as, as he gets into the next election cycle. No question, Dr. David Caputo with us. Um, let's get into this interesting uh, deal regarding the RNC where you have a a prominent bunch of elected Republicans, uh, David, um, influential donors, conservative grassroots activists, you know, all, you know, kind of a conglomeration here. And they're kind of pushing for, for Lee Zeldin now to become the next uh, RNC, the Republican National Committee chair, uh, including, by the way, the leader of the Texas GOP, who gave a lot of credit to Zeldin uh, with his strong campaign for his gubernatorial run. And that for securing Republican control, the House representatives, do you think that will happen? I know an announcement will come soon as far as the side of Lee Zeldin. But what about that aspect concerning the waning of Ron McDaniel and everything else? Do you think that will come to fruition? I think that the uh, Republicans will make a change. Whether or not it will be Zeldin or not remains to be seen. But I think... Uh, Mr. Zeldin did very well in terms of, the, did much better than expect, expectations in terms of the New York gubernatorial vote. I think also he has uh, strong ties uh, to parts of the Washington establishment. And I think for some people, they see him as the type of person who can lead the party in terms of finding candidates and raising money that are necessary for them to be as competitive as they can be in 2024. So it's going to be an interesting decision. Uh, Ultimately, uh, it'll probably come down to uh, whether or not they feel Zeldin reflects philosophically uh, what they want in terms of their national chairman. At the Moxie, I'll tell you that much to get it done, lost by 300,000 votes, we know. Did better in decades than any other candidate as far as where New York is, Deep Blue, and everything else. I mean, you go on and on and on here. So, uh, arguably, it could be a pretty good choice. We shall see. Um, let's kind of get into the weeds regarding Joe Biden. I know he's making a trip to Arizona today, made some comments. He's open for discussion with Vladimir Putin on the war, although Putin has come back saying, listen, uh, he will not concede anything as far as what he's doing in Ukraine at this point in time. We'll see there. Uh, also, Biden with a meeting uh, with uh, Xi over in Bali a couple of weeks ago. Um, what What do you get? Let's let's go let's go from present and we go backwards. Arizona. He's not going to go to the border uh, to visit, which is you know, is it really surprising? I mean, it's it's not to me. Why he doesn't go and view it is beyond me because we have a crisis down there without question. But in essence, um, what, do you, what do you think? The trip to Arizona, he made trips to Michigan in the last couple of weeks. Uh, he's addressed things. A lot of people want to have more things on the table regarding inflation. The economy did not address that as much, kind of danced around it. Give me an overall feel. Well, I think that what the president's attempting to do is he's going into states where the Democrats did very well. Michigan's a good example. I think Arizona's a good example also of a state that's uh, trending uh, perhaps uh, more towards purple to blue uh, as this goes along. And I think he's trying to um, solidify base his base with those leaders. Uh, certainly the Republican, I'm sorry, the Democratic governor in uh, Michigan uh, would be a possible presidential candidate if Biden did not run. 
so I think there's a variety of things here. Uh, as far you know, one of the interesting things about the midterms is that the immigration issue and the border issue was far down the list and uh, really not a major factor uh, if if the exit polls are correct in in voters' decisions as to who they're going to support, Democrat or Republican. And so I think for the president to go to the border at this point uh, without having a proposal, without having a solution, uh, would not uh, fare well for him. I think the uh, other thing that he's attempting to do is to figure out what, if anything, can be salvaged in the um, next two years, given the Republican control of the House. And there I think he's uh, got to face reality and realize that very unlikely he will get any significant legislation passed uh, for a variety of reasons. And I think he has to be concerned on some of the more important ones, such as the debt ceiling and the budget. So he's going to try to get those things done, the debt ceiling and the budget, and the electoral reform before the new year. And I think that's going to be very difficult given the number of days left uh, in, in the um, in the congressional cycle. You know, some of the comments towards Putin and everything else, you think they will have uh, some sort of meeting? And we'll get to Chi as far as what happened in Bali a couple of weeks ago. First, though, the Putin stuff. What do you think happens there? Is there a well, meeting you know, to be uh, in play here? Yeah, I think the thing with Putin is very uh, significant. And I, I think everyone at this point is trying to figure out how, you know, what, what's the end game uh, to stop what's happening uh, in the Ukraine. And I don't think anyone has a valid answer at this point. Uh, uh, Putin is uh, in, continues to incur losses. Will that continue throughout the winter? Uh, the Ukrainians have stated very clearly that they want all the land back that's been occupied and occupied since 2014. So, you know, there's there's really not a realistic solution there. And I think uh, till someone's able to figure that out, uh, I think you're going to find, you know, it makes sense for the president to say he's willing to meet with Putin to talk about this. I'm sure the Ukrainians want to be involved in those discussions. Whether or not they will be or not, if they ever happen, remains to be seen. China is uh, also very interesting and complex, I would argue, a situation for, the, for President Biden in the sense that... Um, you have a, a country that is, uh, you know, dealing almost with 2020 type COVID or, uh, difficulties and trying to deal with that as well as trying to remain the important uh, economic player within the, the world stage. And COVID has certainly uh, knocked their economy back some. Uh, how much and how soon it gets back on its feet remains to be seen. But the United States has vested interest in, in trying to work with China, uh, especially in terms of trade. And I think that's what the president is uh, concerned about. And at some point, we ought to talk about the rail strike, too. So uh, I just bring that up. David, regarding the economy and the lockdowns, staunch lockdowns on COVID, which has eased somewhat, but that also you know, has kind of put a play into things regarding China's economy. Very important to keep an eye on that, the protesters and everything else. Um, and that's something to concern. What did concern me was the lack of discussion regarding the virus, origin, Wuhan, and everything else. We understand that did not come up. Hard to believe. When you have Xi in the same room in Bali, that did not come up in conversation. 
Well, I think the administration's position is that um, it is a concern as to you know where where it was from in terms of was it from a, a lab in Wuhan? Was it from the public market? Exactly where it was from. Uh, but I think also the administration is prepared to move on and say the important thing now is to uh, get COVID behind us uh, to uh, as much of an extent as we can and move on to more positive things. I think that as important as a COVID discussion is, I think the rising military strength of China is something that um, we have to take into consideration that has an impact on us if we have to increase our defense expenditures in order to counterbalance them, that makes for a variety of difficult economic decisions. Uh, David Caputo with us. A couple of minutes uh, remain. Uh, let's uh, let's uh, head forward to 2024. And listen, we, we know about the uh, Trump entrance way from about three weeks, weeks ago uh announcing but there's been a couple of things here i think a little bit of the luster is off you know it's no longer down the escalator as we saw seven years ago i think i I get a feeling of disengagement as far as many republicans you know who might have been associated in the past not the case now especially the latest fiasco regarding trump and the dinner with kanye west nick fuentes uh that uh had the severe uh, reverberations in and around. So, in essence, um, you know what happens over the next couple of years, especially if you do have Biden uh, in play for 2024 at age 82. Uh, what happens then, as far as Trump? Does he give way in some sort of fashion to DeSantis? Let him carry the baton? How are leaders of the party going to kind of play this as we get into the final two years? I think everything is, uh, it's like a juggler with multiple balls in the air, and we just don't know which one's going to come down uh, and how it's going to come down. I think there are a lot of issues, a lot of questions, uh, both for the Republicans and for the Democrats. If Biden decides that, in fact, he's going to be a candidate, I would really expect a challenge uh, to him from the progressive wing of the Democratic Party. Uh, That's been the practice in the past. And I would expect that to be the case this time around, too. So um, I think that right now the emphasis is really on uh, two things. Number one, getting through the next month and see if you can get any key legislation passed. And then number two, both sides adjusting to the split government in terms of the House and the Senate and the presidency going forward in 2023. I think the American public, in terms of the November 8th vote, made it very clear that they were looking for candidates who were pragmatic and willing to work with one another to try to solve some issues and problems. I think one of the things President Biden uh, has a difficulty with now, I think there'll be significant erosion on the part of organized labor given the forced uh, rail strike settlement. Uh, So I think he's going to have to deal with that, and the Democrats are going to have to deal with that, certainly. And I think that's an opening for the Republicans possibly going forward. Yep, no question. Uh, you bring up the rail strike where the president did sign legislation uh, forcing these unions now to accept the agreement, despite plenty of objections, David, uh, to a lack of those paid sick days uh, hours before, you know, kind of hobnobbing with the visiting British royals there. So, um, you know, he's called himself the most pro-union president in the history 
uh, but yet asking Congress to kind of intervene, intervening, saying the economy just couldn't bear railway shutdown. We know that. Uh, you know, I, I look back at Build Back Better infrastructure, the bills in play and whatnot, and certainly part of infrastructure you could have had uh, some sort of a component in here to satisfy these individuals, to make sure they got what they wanted. In essence, you didn't get that, thus going to nearly the 11th hour here. Uh, what about that play? And certainly, you know, it didn't uh, didn't sound like the most pro-union president in the history of this country getting it together here. No, I think I think the president's in a difficult position here. If you go back a couple months, uh, the president felt that he had resolved the issue and that uh, the unions were prepared to accept uh, the agreement that had been reached. And it turned out that that wasn't true, especially on sick leave and also on uh, some underlying conditions and reimbursement uh, when the rail workers have to travel and so forth. And so while many of the unions did ratify the contract, the deal with uh, the decision rule is all had to ratify it. So I think the president was um, thrust with a hot potato and I think his uh, his sense and his advisor's sense was that you could not afford to have a rail strike. Uh, I think uh, many in organized labor uh, would have uh, liked to have at least forced the issue uh, for a longer period of time before there was capitulation in terms of not going forward. So I think that this uh, hurts President. Uh, I think, uh, you know, but remember this is one one set of unions there are other sets of unions that the president's been very successful in wooing and really when you think about you know none of the republicans have come out and criticized the president for uh, not supporting uh, the uh, key thing in terms of uh, health care and health care and the the sick leave provisions so i think that you know that's really not a solution for many of the union members but i think that going forward i think it's just another example of where the democrats uh have a lot of work to do between now and 24 to bring home uh some of the voting groups that have traditionally been theirs and i would say that stands for hispanics and also for uh african american the black vote in the united states uh, so it'd be very interesting to see what the parties do and how they do it in the next two years no doubt november 8th was the beginning uh really maybe even past the beginning of 2024 so we'll just have to see what happens it just seemed he might have taken the easy way out here bud as far as not negotiating for what they really wanted these individuals, which were these paid sick days. I mean, you're helping negotiate a contract that you want a Congress to impose, but what happened as far as the, the crux of it all? I mean, that was really what it was all about, and uh, there was uh, no component in there from uh, from this president. I think a lot of people have a bad taste, David. We'll see. Well, we'll see, but also remember the president has said there are other ways uh, arguing that we should push for national uh, sick leave policy. Uh, that's not going to happen in the uh, short term in, in the lame duck session that's going on now. At least I don't think it will. And it certainly won't happen when the Republicans control the House. Yeah. And listen, I go back to 92 when he was just one of, I believe, six uh, senators uh, to vote against the setting up an arbitration system to end a rail strike, which uh, Congress, by the way, is empowered to do by the Labor Act of uh, the what was it the 1920s somewhere around there, but you know he argued in the past that 
such legislation fairly kind of undermines union collective bargaining efforts. So, interesting. Uh, Dr. David Computer, ladies and gentlemen, aerospace. Always a pleasure, sir. You stay well. We look forward to talking with you before the holidays come into play. Very good, Jay. Thank you very much. Stay well. Lot, Bye. A lot on the plate.